And I'm awkward. And black. Someone once told me those were the two worst things anyone could be. The quirky black character dares to be dorky, imperfect, and most of all, themselves. This character tends to be socially awkward, may have an eccentric or experimental look, and has interests like alternative or indie music, comic books, and science fiction that are coded as culturally white. Their nerdy obsessions and screwball antics are deliberate rejections of the one-dimensional, often offensive black caricatures that long dominated film and TV. You love Bebop, but, but you've got a thing for Taylor Swift. I know, because my Mac picks up your Mac's library. We're so careful. But the history of the quirky black character's rise is one of having to constantly fend off criticisms of whether or not they're perceived by audiences as black enough. Even in our modern era, insecure creator Issa Rae has talked about facing pushback from executives who thought her stories didn't deal with the real black experience. Why you talk like a white girl? More than ever today, the quirky black character is becoming a well-rounded protagonist in a black-created story, expressed not just as a personality, but through an individual or downright weird worldview that shapes the whole texture of the narrative. Here's our take on how the quirky black character became a trope that challenges racial tropes and gives us characters who get to simply exist as their goofy, authentic selves, perhaps opening up our minds a little in the process. I listen to different type of music. I dress a certain way and constantly I'm hit with these, these microaggressions of, you know, you don't sound black. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe and click the bell to be notified about all of our new videos. This video is brought to you guys by Mubi. We love Mubi so genuinely. It is a key part of our lives. Mubi is such an incredible platform. It has wonderful movies and interesting conversations around those movies. Mubi always picks something that's interesting, that's quality. I crave that curation today. You feel like you've actually taken in something substantial and then you think about it, you dream about it. It stays in your head. They have great taste. It's something for everybody. If you want to know about the world and culture and what's really fun and worth watching, check out Mubi. Right now, Mubi is offering our viewers 30 days free. Just click the link in the description below to start streaming now. Thank you, Mubi, for supporting The Take and for helping us bring these videos to you. Black people haven't really had a chance to just be I guess just regular people have sit in these these moments of normalcy. Today, the quirky black character has come a long way, featuring more than ever as the quirky black protagonist, expressing the unique worldview of an individual black creator. In part, today's quirky black character stems from a certain personality type that was long lacking on screen. As a young viewer, Issa Rae related to shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm and 30 Rock, but didn't see any black personalities in those spaces that she could identify with. And I thought that there was a specific type of black girl missing and I always identified as kind of awkward and decided to create this character, Awkward Black Girl. Her YouTube series, The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl, positioned her as this new awkward black girl archetype, which eventually grew into the HBO hit Insecure. Insecure's Issa D has become the seminal awkward black girl, who's unabashedly quirky, frequently uncomfortable, went to Stanford but is still figuring out her life plan. I don't know that I'm on the right path. And gives herself pep talks in the mirror in the form of introspective freestyle rapping. You gonna go back home or not? You gonna claim your throne or not? Is you Khaleesi or that other bitch? His name I don't remember. The show seamlessly integrates black culture, but in the personal way this character relates to it. My 
Issa's world isn't characterized by dramatic moments of racism, but microaggressions and moments of white obliviousness. Insecure depicts Issa as the only person of color working at the well-intentioned but tone-deaf We Got Y'all, where she confronts the kind of subconscious, everyday racism that's realistic, annoying, frustrating, and awkward. Let's just ask Issa. Issa, what's on fleek? The plot when she decides to stop being their token black employee and start her own business, hosting community and cultural events for black people, mirrors Ray's own trajectory. Tired of feeling underrepresented or marginalized, she decided to create original work based on her experiences. Moreover, Issa's character is surrounded by a crew of uniquely quirky black women. Playwright-turned-showrunner Michaela Cole also uses variations of herself as a quirky woman leading us through unique televisual worlds. Chewing Gum follows Tracy Gordon's hapless, cartoonish, awkward escapades as she attempts to lose her virginity, hilariously subverting the Jezebel stereotype and reclaiming the character's sexuality from anyone else's expectations. Cole also won an Emmy for her groundbreaking semi-autobiographical HBO series, I May Destroy You, which stars another messy, flawed, and pretty quirky character, Arabella, but shows how this individual faces a deeply serious and traumatic event. I'm here to learn how to avoid being raped. There must be some way, because if there isn't, I don't know what kind of world that would be. What unifies many of these characters is that they're undergoing a journey of self-discovery. Shows by creators like Issa Rae and Michaela Cole, and to a lesser extent Donald Glover, tend to have autobiographical elements, prioritizing the importance of portraying an authentic and unique personal experience. The goal is an honest portrayal of a particular black person just living their lives and sometimes even, as Rae puts it, being boring. In this sense, the quirky black character is an anti-archetype, intended to show that black people can't be put into a box. But it's been a long fight to get to this point where the quirky black character isn't expected to speak for all black people in general. The quirky black character rose up in sitcoms, often created by white showrunners, featuring varying levels of involvement from black writers, which have long been plagued by a debate around what is an authentic black experience or black enough. Being black isn't what I'm trying to be, it's what I am. Starting in 1968, NBC's Julia, the first series to center a non-stereotypical middle-class black woman, was criticized for not depicting the true black experience. Even star Diane Carroll said the show was presenting the white Negro, who felt safe to white audiences and was distanced from what life was really like for most black Americans. In the 70s, Norman Lear's shows Sanford and Son and All in the Family spin-off The Jeffersons proved that white audiences were willing and even wanting to watch black casts, and employed black writers and comics like Paul Mooney, Richard Pryor, Ilunga Adele, and Sarah Finney Johnson, who would go on to create the 90s show Moesha. These 70s shows featured forerunners to the quirky black character in the form of occasional quirky elements, like the George Walk on the Jeffersons. Want to be like George? Then walk this way. By the 1980s and 90s, the black sitcom, featuring an array of quirky characters, had become a bona fide cultural force with hits like The Cosby Show, Family Matters, and The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. In The Cosby Show spin off A Different World, quirky Denise Huxtable goes to college with an array of personalities amongst a predominantly black cast, illustrating that blackness isn't a monolithic experience. Every year, we would go to Spelman and Morehouse and do research and talk to kids about what was going on. And basically, the students telling us what they were going through, and that's what gave the show its, its richness. 
Writers from a different world went on to pioneer Black representation in some of the most influential Black shows of the 1990s, an era that explored the myriad variations of personality Black characters could express. Moesha followed an upper-middle-class teen girl, played by Brandy, finding herself in the world, while Sister Sister gave young adult audiences a parent trap formula show about the opposing quirky personalities of reunited twins. I always like to get a good night's sleep before a test. I usually get my sleep during the test. Family Matters Steve Urkel and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air's Carlton Banks presented audiences with the black nerd character, whose utter geekdom, failed romances, and tendency to suck up to authority figures made them frequent punchlines but audience favorites. Both Urkel and Banks established the quirky black character as, despite his awkwardness, ultimately okay with being different and comfortable in their own skin, which made him kind of aspirational. Take a hike, Urkel. She'd rather eat worms. Okay, some other time then. Many of these shows had middle to upper class settings, which seemed to implicitly make black quirkiness welcomed and acceptable to white audiences. But Susan Fales Hill, a black writer on The Cosby Show, remembers a white executive saying that the Huxtables, whose parents are a doctor and a lawyer, weren't a true representation of black families. Black writer and producer Felicia D. Henderson, who worked on Family Matters, which was led by white writers, also remembers being ignored when she protested that no black father would say this to his son. Then he made me get out of the car and lie face down. Then he cuffed me. That's unusual procedure unless you provoked it." Henderson uses the phrase, negotiated authenticity, to describe how black writers had to handle blackness in a way that was palatable to, or deemed realistically black, by white audiences and showrunners. Because of their bougie lifestyles and proximity to white culture, the Banks, Urkels, and Cosbys were sometimes viewed as outsiders to black culture. I'm not accepting no prep school Bell bread sellout into my fraternity. The quirky black character became a touchstone in respectability politics, the idea of marginalized people adopting the traits of mainstream society to get ahead or simply blend in. A stereotype about African-American people is we like to listen to our music really, really loud. So if I was practicing respectability politics, I would turn my music on medium. Or low. But the glaring double standard is that white characters have never been burdened with combating all stereotypes or representing some all-encompassing experience for all white people. To this day, not only fictional black characters, but real public figures have to walk an impossible tightrope between being perceived as too black or not black enough. A key part of understanding the 90s television ecosystem is the commercial piece. Networks like Fox, WB, and UPN were intentionally seeking out these diverse stories and making content for black audiences. But eventually, these shows were canceled because they were deemed less profitable from an advertising revenue standpoint. The African-American shows indexed lower in terms of uh, household income. What? So over the course of the decade, the network started to move away from those shows. To this day, we can see how the popularity of the quirky black character or subtype of the black nerd in mainstream popular narratives still operates as part of a commercial formula. Today, the eccentric or nerdy black character risks becoming a marketable cliche, another token stock character, a safe formulaic one that's used to check the proverbial diversity box and round out mostly white casts. One important way to avoid this kind of superficial tokenism is to reject the implicit assumption that there can only be one featured black character on a show. When New Girl brought on Damon Wayans Jr as coach in its third season, after he'd originally left for another show and Lamorne Morris came on as Winston, critics actually questioned if two black leads in the same show could work. You go do these interviews with some of these publications and they would go, so now that uh, Damon's coming back, are you leaving the show? Being able to shine as an individual, 
New Girl's Winston Bishop took quirkiness to a new high. This was on a show that was already marketed around the adorkable quirkiness of Zoe Deschanel's Jess. But over time, Jess just couldn't compare to Winston's glorious off-the-wall weirdness. The werewolves come out at night, man. I don't want nobody to eat me. I got thick thighs. I got a fat ass. Winston tries to steer his friends and the audience into seeing that blackness is as varied and multidimensional as whiteness. Being black means whatever I want it to mean. The quirky black characters of comedies today are still constantly dealing with that old question of whether they're considered black enough. But more than ever, they're confronting it head on and calling out white assumptions about what that even means. ABC's Blackish centers on another affluent and lovable quirky black family, including the goofy Andre Jr.'s obscure Game of Thrones knowledge and embarrassing love of Owl City's fireflies. Ten million fireflies, it's hard to recover from. But central dad Dre openly works through his anxieties that his decadent suburban lifestyle is making his children less black. And the show is constantly making the racially insensitive attitudes of the white people around them the butt of the joke. Not while we're all living through the worst thing to ever happen to women in this country. But it's not the worst thing to ever happen in our history. What is she talking about? Because black women were slaves. Oh. Identity crisis and calling out white ignorance are also running themes in Dear White People, a show that features a wide range of young black personalities, including quirky kid Lionel Higgins, a shy, soft-spoken, and gay black man whose quiet confidence and sharp mind help him blossom into a quality, courageous, investigative journalist. Damn, Lionel. Did you also find the Zodiac Killer? Mm -hmm. Possibly. Woke, based on the real life of Keith Knight and starring Morris of New Girl, touches directly on the not black enough question through the story of a cartoonist who, after experiencing racial profiling, suddenly becomes very aware of or woke about how blackness is perceived by others. In the Netflix series Big Mouth, Missy Foreman Greenwald comes to view her mixed race background as a source of pride. After Missy is mocked and scolded for letting others dilute her blackness, she learns about code switching. You switch up your speak and give your manner a tweet. Depending on the audience. Missy appoints herself as a champion for code switchers and mixed race kids everywhere. Mosaic Missy, a multifaceted person who views both her whiteness and her blackness as integral parts of who she is. Oh, there I am. I'm all of these Missies. All of them. <laughs> Some black creators have gone beyond quirkiness into full-blown transcendent weirdness. Afro-surrealism, a genre that uses freak encounters and otherworldly realms, shows viewers the mind-bending insanity of navigating a white world. Showing something weird and over the top, and then showing how easily it can be placed with how weird reality is. That's the technique I, I, I brought to get out. First coined in 1974, the term Afro-surrealism was originally used to describe the short stories of Henry Dumas, whose strange allegories were laced with powerful racial commentary. Jordan Peele and Donald Glover, who both got their start in show business playing quirky black men, have employed the similar techniques and dream logic to create funny, terrifying, ever-thought-provoking satire. In Glover's genre-defying series Atlanta, a gritty, realistic urban environment becomes a fever dream world filled with awkward situations, unexplained oddities. Oh shit, it's Justin Bieber. And profound observations on race. Stop stunning on me about my culture. Like, I'm not gonna go back to Africa and find my roots because, you know what? I'm Broke, dude. Darius Epps, Atlanta's quirkiest black character, reflects the drive to find insight through strangeness. Enigmatic and cerebral, Darius spouts conspiracy theories. Him, the state government, 
goats. Pursues wacky get-rich schemes, plays chess with himself, and readily believes in invisible cars. Yet, his off-the-wall stoner logic is punctuated by moments of real wisdom, and Darius's radically open mind allows him to be radically kind and forward-thinking, whether helping earn to invest in his future. You said you wanted more money, so I got you more money. Or just reminding his friends to see the big picture and enjoy life's simple pleasures. Mm. Breakfast call. You made that up. Everything you made up, they won't. Jordan Peele's films probe deeply into America's racial undercurrents by putting the black experience in a space normally dominated by white creators, genre film. 2017's Get Out presents audiences with a horror movie premise that allegorizes slavery and appropriation. Black is in fashion and subtly exposes the more hidden racism of seemingly liberal elites who pay lip service to racial equality. I would have voted for Obama for a third term if I could. Peel and Misha Green's joint TV project Lovecraft Country blends the cosmic horror of H.P. Lovecraft stories with the real horror of being black in the Jim Crow era. The main character Atticus, a bookish sci-fi nerd who's criticized for his white interests, has to grapple with both monsters spawned from the underworld and America's homebred monsters, white supremacists. It's a powerful twist, especially since Lovecraft was a white supremacist whose cosmic horror stories reflected his own fears of the other, including black and Jewish people. The show features multiple nerdy or quirky black characters, including Atticus's cousin, Diana, who writes and illustrates comic books. I really try to encourage people if they don't see themselves reflected in the medium to get busy, to get to work. That means that there's a story that hasn't been told yet and the audience is there waiting for you. Diana's mother, Hippolyta, is an astronomer and sci-fi fan, and her husband George loves horror and speculative fiction. With more and more hit shows and blockbusters coming from black creators, directors, and writers, and more Hollywood studios hiring cultural advisors to accurately shape their movies, maybe we are beginning to see marginalized communities define themselves on screen and off. The most important legacy of the quirky black character is to remind us that a black character is no single thing. As Lakeith Stanfield puts it about Atlanta, essentially what the show is saying is that being black is being human. I'm a human first in black circumstances. I'm rooting for um, everybody black. This is the take on your favorite movie shows and pop culture. Thanks for watching and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again to Mubi for sponsoring today's video. This month, Mubi is looking back at the early work of director Denis Villeneuve, whose sci-fi epic Dune is the movie of the moment right now. Start by checking out his 2000 film Maelstrom, a psychological drama about a woman who starts dating the son of a man she killed in a hit and run. As a special gift to our viewers, Mubi is offering 30 days free, so click the link in the description below to start streaming now. If you're anything like me, these days, you may be totally uninspired and stuck when it comes to figuring out what to watch next. Subscribing to Mubi completely fixes that. Their team of curators handpicks every film they show, so there's always something new to discover. They seriously love movies as much as we do, so their recommendations are always top-notch.